Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And it says, the words of Nehemiah during the month of that month. Come on, somebody. In the twelfth year, when I was in the fortress, the city of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers arrived with men from Judah, and I questioned them about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that survived the exile. They said to me, the remnant in the providence who survived the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. And here's why. Jerusalem's walls has been broken down and its gates have been burned down. When Nehemiah heard the words, he sat down and wept and mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Okay? Nehemiah gets word of what took place or what's happening there and that his people, the people he loves, are still living in the ruins. And because of the ruins, they're now in despair. Okay? Let's read on. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 18. Verses 11 through 18. Nehemiah, what happens is he's so grieved, he goes to the king and he says, the king that he serves, and he says, hey, can I get leave so I can go check out what's going on in my home city? And he says, yes. And it says this in verse 11, chapter 2, after I arrived in Jerusalem and had been there three days, I got up at night and took a few men with me. Notice what he did. He didn't go by himself. He gathered some people around him. I didn't tell anyone what my God had laid on my heart to do for Jerusalem. The only animal I took was the one I was riding. I went out at night through the valley gate toward the serpent's wall and the dung gate and inspected the walls of Jerusalem that had been broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. I went on the fountain gate and on the king's pool, but farther down it became too narrow for my animal to go through. So I went up at night by the way of the valley to inspect the wall. Then heading back, I entered through the valley gate and returned. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, for I had not yet uh, told the Jews, priests, nobles, officials, for the rest of those who would be doing the work. So I said to them, you see the trouble we are in here in Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned down. Come, let's rebuild Jerusalem's wall so that they will no longer be, so we'll no longer be a disgrace. I told them how the gracious hand of my God had been on me and what the king had sent to me. They said, listen to this now, they said, let's start rebuilding. And they were encouraged to do this good work. Catch the picture now. Nehemiah has scouted out. He took some people with him. Now, I catch this part where it says that the ruins were so great that he literally had to get off of his animal and he had to go inspect it on foot, okay? There's ruins. It's bad. It's been laying there for nearly 85 years. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6. So what did they do? They're encouraged to build the wall, and so we rebuilt the wall until the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had the will to keep working. They had the will to keep working. What's it going to take to rebuild in your life? What's it going to take to see some stuff restored in your life? Highlight that verse right there. There's got to be a will to work, all right? There's got to be some willpower to say, you know what? I'm tired of the way the ruins in my life have been. I'm going to get to work, and I'm going to rebuild some stuff. You with me? Now, the enemy's not happy about it, so the enemy devises a plan and says, you know what? Let's go take them out lest they rebuild. Okay, let's, let's move on here. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 15. 
It says, when our enemies heard that, uh, uh, when my enemies heard that we knew their scheme and that God had frustrated it, every one of us returned to his own work on the wall. From that day on, half of the men did the work while the other half held spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers supported all the people of Judah who were rebuilding the wall. The laborers who carried the loads worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other. Come on, somebody. You see that picture? They're working together, right? They have each other's backs. Some are on the wall rebuilding it. Others are holding weapons, guarding them, protecting them. Some of them actually have a tool in one hand and they have a weapon in the other. Each of the builders had his sword strapped around his waist while he was building, and the trumpeter was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is enormous, uh, spread out, and we separated far from one another along the wall. The picture is this. This is what they began to do. They began to literally assign families to rebuild the sections of walls that were in front of their homes. Here they are building together side by side, working with one another, having each other's backs, getting to work, that a will to work and see this thing done. Nehemiah chapter six, verse 15. Nehemiah chapter six, verse 15. The wall was completed in 52 days. Think about that. Lying in ruins for nearly 85 years. And together, because they had a will and a mind to work, it was rebuilt in 52 days. Are you with me? I want to ask you a question before I read the rest of this. What areas of your life, when you look at your life, what areas of your life are lying in ruins? What things in your life need to be restored? What things in your life need to be rebuilt? How long have you been just, just, just knowing it and walking through it and not doing anything about it? Maybe it's because the task looks too big or the work looks too great. I mean, how many times did they get up and they walk to the market on a, you know, on a morning to get goods and they have to go through these ruins to get there and they walk by it day in and day out. Maybe even thinking to themselves, man, it'd be so great if this was rebuilt. It'd be so great if this is restored, but maybe unwilling to do the work. What areas of your life are in ruins right now that God is calling you to rebuild? Listen to it now, 52 days. Lied in ruins for 85 years, rebuilt in 52 days. I'm telling you, by God's grace, amen, that you can rebuild this thing in your life sooner and quicker than you thought. And on the 25th day of the month of that month, when all our enemies heard this, all the surrounding nations were intimidated and lost their confidence for they realized, listen to this now, for they realized that this task had been accomplished by our God, Amen. Here's the end result of it all. Man, God's grace, man, empowered them, strengthened them, and they had to get to work. They had the mind to work, the will to work, but at the end of all of it, the restoration, come on, the glory belongs to him. Amen? Man, 52 days, and they looked and said, this would be impossible for man to do this in 52 days, and they realized that God had done the work through them. Are you with me? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I just pray that as we bring, uh, Lord, just this short series to a close today, and we really set the, the tempo and the vision for 2017, that, that God, we would grab hold of it. God, we would realize there are areas in our life. God, there's areas in my life as the pastor that are in ruins. God, there are areas in my life that need to be restored. And I pray, Lord, that we would latch on to these principles that we find here today in the story of Nehemiah. And we would apply them to our lives. And God, we would no longer walk through those ruins. We would no longer walk by and look and long for a day when it would be restored. But we would roll up our sleeves spiritually and we would get to work. And we would see some things restored and rebuilt in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. 
Amen. 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 There were three contractors, three builders, if you will, and uh, they all went to this opening attraction the same day. And they wanted to check it out and see how it was constructed and see how it was built. And so they arrived and after walking through it all day and checking it out, they were leaving through the gate. And one of the workers at the attraction stopped and said, hey, hey, what did you guys think? And so these builders began to, yeah, you know, it's good. And we saw this and saw that. And so the worker said, well, what do you guys do? And he said, well, I'm a contractor. And the other guy said, well, I'm a contractor too. And the other guy said, well, I do the same thing. He said, well, let me ask you a question while you're here. You know, we, we finished this whole thing, but you know what? Uh, there's, there's a fence out back that, that needs some repair and needs some fixing. And, and so would, would you guys mind bidding on it? They said, sure. So there's the contractor from Florida, and he grabs his, his tape measure and his pencil and his pad, and he goes out. He takes some measurements, and he, you know, and this, this, and that. And he goes back and says, okay, it'll cost uh, $900, 400 for the materials, 400 for the labor, and 100 for me for profit. The guy was like, okay, that's, that's not bad. The guy from Texas, he grabs his tape measure and he grabs his pad and his pencil. He goes and takes some measurements and comes back. He said, you know what? I can actually do it for $700. Come on, Texas. Thank God for Texas. Amen. That'd be 300, you know, for the work and 300, or, and 300 for the, uh, all the stuff, material it's going to take. And, uh, and so uh, I guess I just got a note here that we didn't take offering. Did we take offering and pass buckets? No? What kind of a church are we? We'll do it at the end. He said, I can do it for $700. This does not tie into the offering at all. I can do it for $700. He said, 700? Wow, you beat this guy by a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, 300 for the labor, 300 for the materials, 100 for profit. I said, wow. And all of a sudden, the guy from San Diego comes up, stands there, doesn't grab a tape measure, doesn't grab a pad or a pencil. He just said, 2,700 bucks and I'll do it. The guy's like, the guy's like What? 2,700 bucks, you, you didn't even go measure anything. He goes, I don't need to. 1,000 for you, 1,000 for me, and we'll pay the guy from Texas $700 to do the work. <laughs> Come on, San Diego, are you with me? Huh. It was kind of funny that in some ways, that's how we approach areas in our life that need to be rebuilt. We don't really want to do the work. We don't want to put in the time. We, don't want, we want it fixed. We know it's ruined. We know there's some areas in our life like I'm just not happy with and that, that I'm not content with. And there's some areas in my life that God's pointing out in me and I know they need to be repaired, but I just, I, I really want to get to the other side and have it repaired, but I just don't want to put in the work. It'd be so much easier just to have somebody else do it. It'd be so much easier just to show up on Sunday and have Pastor Ben preach to me. Come on, somebody. It'd be so much easier just to go to a small group and have my small group leader tell me what I need to do be so much easier to go to my therapist. Now listen to me, church is good, show up, because Pastor Ben can preach, come on somebody. Now go to your small group, plug in, it's a tool, it's a resource that helps you grow. Man, if you need to go to a counselor, please go to a counselor, we, we, we think those are good, but listen to me, you can do all of those things, but until you roll up your sleeves and you begin to get to work, there will be no transformation in your life. Well, pastor, what about, what about grace? That is grace. The grace of God empowers us just like the grace of God empowered Nehemiah to go and inspect the wall, to go and rally the people, to go and get them to do the work. That's grace. And all the glory goes back to God. Are you with me? But nothing really changes in our life until we, ladies and gentlemen, are willing to get to work. Amen. Good preaching, pastor. Listen, Nehemiah... Got the, got the information from his friend, Man, it lies in ruins. 
And yes, he went and wept and he prayed. But after he prayed, he got off of his bootay. Come on, somebody. And he went and got to work. Are you with me? We need to pray. Need to seek God. Matter of fact, it's one of our points from last week. There are five things I see here in this, this incredible book that Nehemiah did. The first one we talked about last week. Number one, I'm just going to highlight it again real quick. He embraced the pain of change. If you want to see change in your life, you've got to embrace the pain that it's going to take to see the change take place in your life. Are you with me? I, I wish it wasn't painful. But you know what? When the pain of the ruins you're in becomes greater than the pain of change, you'll begin to lay hold of change in your life. Are you with me? Nehemiah, nobody, they would walk through those ruins, but they were comfortable with the ruins. And here's the reality is, is if you're comfortable with your ruins, I can't do anything to change it. I, I can show you, I can teach you, I can instruct you, I can pray for you. But until you embrace the pain of change, the second thing we talked about last week was you got to talk to the king. You got to talk to the king. Nehemiah not only went to his natural king and said, hey, can I get leave of absence? The very first thing he does when he finds out that the people are still in despair, he drops to his knees and he begins to fast and he begins to pray. Amen. That's what we need to do. Matter of fact, our church today, Canvas Church today, and there's, I know there's churches probably all across our city, and many of my friends are doing it as well. Uh, we, we started today 21 days of prayer and fasting. 21 days of prayer and fasting. We have information on our website. You can go check it out. Find out more about what is fasting, how to fast, what we're, what we're praying for, right there on the website. 21 days, and we're just going to seek God. Listen, this is not 21 days of clean living. This is not 21 days of eating healthy. I'm seeing people, you know, posting and tweeting and like they're taking pictures of their refrigerator of all this clean food. And I'm like, what is that? We should just do that anyway, right? This is not a 21 day challenge where you can eat clean, okay? This is a 21 days of prayer and fasting where we deny ourselves, deny our appetites, deny our flesh. We say, we say no to our impulses and we press into God. If you want to eat clean, go ahead and eat clean. If you don't want to eat at all, don't eat at all, okay? But what we're saying is 21 days, man, we are suppressing. Matter of fact, Galatians chapter 5 talks about it. There's this battle between the flesh and the spirit. And whatever you feed grows, I know. Right? Whatever you starve dies. And so we're saying no to the flesh. We're saying no to our natural appetites for 21 days. And we're saying yes to God. We're reading the word. We're praying. We're seeking him. Are you with me today? Why? Because we believe that one of the very first things we should do is we should talk to the king. Let me give you these last three today. What did Nehemiah do? Here's something else. If we want to see the ruins rebuilt in our life, we want to see restoration. Number three, you got to get on a team. You got to get on a team. Okay? Now, I know there are individual sports out there, and God bless the individual sports, all right? I'm a team sport guy, and you know what? Church, Christianity, the spiritual journey, it's a team sport. It's a team sport, okay? You need to get on a team. Look what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah does not go out by himself to inspect the walls. He asks the king. He talks to the king. He gets leave from the king. He goes to Jerusalem. What's the first thing he does? He goes and rallies some men around him. 
And he gets those guys. He said, guys, I'm not going to tell you everything we're doing right now, but we're going to go together. And they go together and they inspect the ruins. They inspect the walls. I think one of the greatest principles that we can apply to this spiritual journey is to get on a team. Get some people to walk this thing out with you. Are you with me? You need to get on a team. Pastor, what does it look like to get on a team? We're launching our small groups next week. It's next week, right? Small groups are launching up again next week, I think. If not, we should launch them next week. Get in a small group. Man, that is a great place to be because here's the reality. Ladies and gentlemen, we have these things called blind spots. You're like, I know I don't. Yes, you do. That's your blind spot. You don't think you have one, right? You know, like when you're driving a car, every car has blind spots. That's what the mirrors are for, okay? You have blind spots in your life. Okay, and honestly, married married people, did I married people in here? Okay, yeah. You want to know what your blind spot is? Ask your spouse. They'll point it out to you. Okay, they won't they won't point it out to you though. Well, they might. They'll point it out to you when you ask, "What's what's my blind?" Oh, hey, invited in. You know, are you with me? Okay, how many got roommates? Anybody have roommates? Okay, you want to know what your blind spot is? Ask your roommate. Okay. Get in a small group. You know what a small group will do for you? Man, it'll help you grow spiritually. And here's one of the ways to help you grow spiritually. It'll point out some blind spots in your life. I got, I got blind spots. Pastors got blind spots. And they, and they need to get pointed out, and they do get pointed out. You got blind spots. You need to get on a team, man. A team will help you. you know, our church is made up of teams. We have the ministry team. Anybody serve on the ministry team? Woo! You know? I mean, we have our setup and pack-up crew, right? That's why we had the sound today. That's why your kids are safe in a theater being taught about Jesus, right? Because we have a setup and pack-up crew. Could you imagine if that wasn't a team and it was just a one-man show? That'd be horrible. Ben, where you at? I'd feel for you, right? I'm sure there's days, though, it has been a one-man show, but he's got a team. We got a ministry team. We serve together. We got small groups. We, we, we grow together. We have our executive leadership team where that helps make decisions for the church to move forward. Being on a team is the best because it helps you grow, helps you advance. And if, I, if you want to see areas in your life rebuilt, do what Nehemiah did. Get yourself on a team. Are you with me today? Jesus understood this. And the, the, Jesus, what did he do? He's going to start his earthly ministry. He surrounded himself with 12 people. Right? Twelve dudes. Okay? And they weren't perfect people. Okay? So stop looking for the perfect fit. Come on, somebody. Well, I don't just don't know if there's a small group for me. Have you tried one? Well, I know, I've looked at one there and I don't I don't like anyone. Well, you should start one. Well, if I started one, I don't think anybody would come. I agree, they probably wouldn't. <laughs> Go to one, right? The people that Jesus picked on his team weren't perfect, okay? Let me burst your bubble. The person sitting next to you, the person sitting in front of you, behind you, they ain't perfect. Your small group leader ain't perfect. I've lived there, I don't know if I can go to that small group. Why? Well, because I, I, I know that you, well, you know what that, what about you? You with me? Jesus picked 12. One of them betrayed him for money. You with me? And we're not going to find anything perfect. 
get, but, but get on a team, you know? And, and here's the reality. If we stop pointing fingers at all the imperfect people in the small group, stop doing that. The Bible actually talks about it. Before you take the speck out of their eye, do what? Take the plank out of your own, right? The problem is, is you know, you're so used to that thing. You think it's an aimer to point out other people's problems. Oh, yeah, that guy right there. Oh, and his wife. Unbelievable. Thanks, God, for this pointer you gave me. This is great. I can Take the plank out of your eye, man. Are you with me? And get on a team. Nehemiah surrounded himself with people. Jesus surrounded himself. Why? Because we need to be on a team. Are you with me? Listen to me, though. The enemy, what the enemy wants to do? The enemy wants to solo you out. The enemy wants to try to get you off by yourself. Man, and here's when he do, does it. Here's when he does it. When you begin to look at the ruins in your life, the things that need to be restored, and you are looking at that stuff, that's when he wants to pounce. He wants to go right there and try to get you not, not to fix it, but to feel sorry for yourself. Man, there's no community here. I don't know. I don't have any friends. Well, the Bible says if you want friends, you got to show yourself Are you with me? Man, get on a team and watch yourself begin to grow and watch things in your life begin to get rebuilt. Amen? Amen. Because here's the, here's the thing. What we do as a church, it's about leaving a lasting impact. It's about leaving a legacy for our children, for your children, for the next generation that's coming. So why don't we embrace the pain of change? Why don't we pray and why don't we get on a team and model it for the generation that's coming up? I love, I love the picture that the Bible, the Bible paints. They, they literally worked together. They worked together. The, the more experienced warrior guys, they got their weapons. They say, hey, I got your back. You build, I'm going to protect you. That's a, that, that's a cool sounding church right there. Are you with me? I mean, they're not like, you see the way that dude's swinging the hammer? What a joke. I mean, we are going to be here forever. And the guy's like, he's like, oh my gosh, look at that puny guy with the sword. He can't even lift his own sword. Like, he's really going to protect me? Like, I don't feel that safe. No, they, they work together. I got your back. Man, you keep building, we're going to do this thing. Are you with me? I want to be on that team. I, I, I want to be, be in that small group. Is somebody with me this morning? Come on. We're going to leave a lasting impact. Amen. Matter of fact, you're going to have an opportunity the last Sunday of this month to sign up for a team. On, on the 29th of this month, we will have concluded our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we're going to have Legacy Sunday. And we're going to ask you to come ready. If you have not yet signed up for a team for 2017, we're going to ask you to sign up for a team. Find a place to serve, get on the team. If you haven't signed up for a small group by then, sign up for a small group, get plugged into one. We're also gonna ask you to give financially because we didn't do it today. We're gonna ask you to give. What can you give above and beyond your tithes and your offer? What can you give to leave a lasting impact? And then we're gonna ask you to submit, man, the greatest area of your life that needs prayer. And we're gonna pray for you and believe that you're gonna leave a legacy. Come on, somebody, through Canvas Church here in our city. Get on a team. Fourthly, so what I see him do, grab some tools and some weapons. Grab some tools and some weapons. They, they got the people that had tools, and they had the guys that had weapons. 
and they went to work and they had each other's backs. Listen, if you want to rebuild the areas in your life that need rebuilt, you need some weapons and you need some tools. Pastor, what are they? They're, they're probably different for each of us. You've, you've got to identify what the ruins are and then apply the right tool. But there's some real basic ones. We already talked about one, praying. Praying's a good tool. And pray. And you, you know, here's the problem too for some of us is some of us are, are more warriors than builders, right? And, and what happens is, is we have an area in our life that needs to be rebuilt, but all we know how to do is fight. And so your marriage needs to be restored and rebuilt, but you're going in and fighting rather than building. What you need to do is you need to get on a team and ask for some help and humble yourself and say, you know what, I've been, I realize I've been fighting, but you know what, I, I, I need to build. There's, there's some missing blocks, some missing pieces in my marriage, and I need to get those pieces in, and I don't know what they are. And so because I'm on a team, and I got some blind spots, and because my team leader is a good leader, he said, I'll help you. Are you with me? I mean, the guy with the sword wasn't up there banging the wall. It's taking forever. No, the guy with the sword was fighting and guarding, okay? The other one was building. We need to get some weapons and we need to get some tools. We need to roll up our sleeves and we need to get to work. And I believe this for some, some of you, maybe it is the marriage, maybe it's another area of your life. The reason it's not being rebuilt, the reason it's not being restored is because first you have to come to a place of humility and say, you know what, I don't have the tools necessary I need. Matter of fact, I don't even know what a good marriage looks like. We talked about this last week. Remember, it's, it's been nearly 85 years of ruins, which means some people were born into this. This is all they've known. So when some stranger named Nehemiah shows up on the scene and says, hey, let's rebuild. And they're like, rebuild what? This is our city. Yeah, it's not supposed to look like this. Really? What's it supposed to look like? Whips out the blueprints. <laughs> You with me? They're like, whoa, that's cool. You mean that one big rock I jump over every day to get out of my house isn't supposed to be there? I, I, thought, I, I thought it was a flaw in the design, but are you with me? See, some of you do that with your life. You do that with your finances. You do it with your marriage, and you think this is just the way it's supposed to be. Because this is what I've known. You mean, you mean there's a different way? Yeah. So when some strange pastor shows up on Sunday, come on, somebody. Says, hey, God's got a better life for you. God's got a better marriage for you. God's got a better way for you. God's got, you're like, what, what do you mean? What, what's, what's, what's wrong with this? Huh? That's why we come to church. We learn. We go, are you with me this morning? And see, some of you are here and you don't even realize that's why sometimes coming to church is painful. Because you come to church and you think, I feel so good. And then you come to church and you're like, well, I don't know why I don't feel so good. Well, because sometimes God's saying, hey, this is really what I have for you. Oh, wow. Does anybody get anything out of this today? You, you got to get some tools. You got to get some weapons. And then you got to know which one to apply. 
And I think, I think prayer is a great one. I think here, here's some real simple ones that I give you that you just do daily. Can I do this? We teach this in our growth track. We, we have this thing called soap. When you jump in the shower, come on, you use soap, hopefully, right? Now, if you have sensitive skin like your pastor, you use the, the lotion, the liquid soap. Come on now. The bar soap, it dries out my skin. It's flaky, all right? Whatever soap you use, don't look at me like that, Junior. I know you use the liquid soap, too. I know you. He's over there shaking his head like, you know. Um, use soap, okay? We have this thing called our, our spiritual soap, our daily soap, and it stands for this. The first S stands for scripture. Read a scripture daily. Download a Bible reading app or plan on your phone and just read a scripture daily. Now, if you haven't been reading the Bible daily, don't go all crazy on us. Be like, I'm going to read two chapters a day. No, you're not. You've never done that in your life. You're probably not going to do it now. Just start with one verse. Pastor, one verse? Yeah, one verse. Jesus wept. Oh, why is he crying? Because you haven't been reading your Bible. <laughs> right? Just read one verse. That's it. And then the next evening, read another one. Just read a scripture. So you have the O. What is it? What does O stand for? It stands for observe. Observe what? Observe what the scripture is telling you. Observe what it meant to them back then, and then observe what it means to you today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Wow. What did that mean to them then? What does it mean to me today? And just observe that. The next is the A. What is the A? Apply that. How can I apply that verse to my life today? S-O-A. Apply it. Application. And then the P stands for prayer. Pray. 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 What, what do I pray? I don't know what to pray. Well, just, just pray that verse. How do I pray that? Well, God, I thank you so much that you sent your son for me. I thank you that because you sent your son for me that today I can have everlasting life. And as you're praying that out, you'll be like, man, I feel really good right now. Why? Because the spirit of God is coming upon you. Pray. Pray, pray for what? Pray for yourself, your day. Oh, yeah. If you're married, pray for your marriage. If you got kids, pray for your kids. If you're not married, pray that you'll get married. Come on, somebody. Right? Just pray. Soap. Read a scripture. Observe what it says. Apply it to your life. And then pray. Some great tools that you can apply starting today. And then lastly, Number five, what do we need to do? First, we've got to embrace the pain of change. Second, you better drop to your knees and pray. Three, get on a team. Four, get some tools. And then five, here it is. It's deep. Hope you're ready for it. Get to work. Get to work. Get to work. Get to work. I've embraced the pain of change. I've, I've invited Jesus into the process. I've prayed, and man, I've got some tools. I'm on a team. What now? Get to work. Use the tools that you have. Apply the wisdom that you, you've received, and just begin to do that, and begin to get to work. And when you begin to get to work, when you begin to roll up your sleeves and apply all of that, listen to me. The Bible says for a reason. This is what it says in James. What does it say? Don't just be a hearer of the word. Be a doer of the word, lest what? You deceive yourself. What is it saying? Hey, don't just go to church and hear pastor preach. 
Don't just do soap every day. Come on, somebody. You've got to actually begin to walk it out. You've got to begin to get to work. And when you begin to do the work, man, that is grace. He empowers you. The Spirit of God comes upon you to lead you and guide you in all truth. But if you're not on your feet following, he can't lead you. There's a reason why Paul wrote, hey, work out your own salvation with fear and you got to get to work. You've got to take that which you've received and you've got to apply it to your life. And when you begin to apply it to your life, you'll begin to see incremental change. You'll be able to look back and say, wow, we built the wall to half the height. Maybe if we keep working, we can build it all the way. Wow, my marriage was there, but it's here. And it might not be all the way there yet, but at least I'm not back here anymore. Now, my spiritual growth, the spiritual growth that God's doing in me, I'm telling you, if you just soap it every day, man, you might not see it. The needle, and here's the thing. We want to see change tomorrow. It's not like they went out for one day and it's like, oh, man, I thought. You might not see change tomorrow. I guarantee you, as you continue to work, continue to rebuild, you'll look back and say, wow, look what God has done. As we get to work and begin to build side by side together on a team, because you know what? Sometimes I don't know what needs to go here, but my teammate does. And my teammate isn't there tearing me down. My teammate is there building me up, encouraging me, saying, hey, I got a piece that fits right there. Hey, I got a tool that works right there. Hey, I did this and it worked. We've got to get to work. And each of the family members went out and helped, built the portion of wall that was right in front of them until it connected to their neighbors and connected to their neighbors until the entire wall was rebuilt and they felt safe and secure once again in their life. What areas of your life are lying in ruins? I believe 2017 is gonna be a year of restoration as you begin to rebuild as you begin to do the work, as you begin to get on a team, as you begin to embrace the pain of change. God, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.